All right, joining me now from somewhere near Harlan, Minnesota, is our dear friend, Mr. Al Bat. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a delightful day. So it's uh, I was uh, been off watching softball and baseball games in the in the hot hot sun, but you know it was it really wasn't all that uncomfortable last night or the night before. So I guess the humidity levels were down enough where it just uh, it felt great. You know, and I have noticed the there day, there haven't been so many mosquitoes, Al, as there as I, I think there should be this time of year, even though there's been a lot of humidity. Has anybody else noticed that, or is that just me? I'm, I'm very surprised by it. Boy, come on over oh. to my <laughs> yard if you miss them. Maybe, uh, maybe. Man, they're just, we have official greeters here at our house, and so you, uh, we don't want to do one of those Minnesota goodbyes where you wait at the door with the door open, and then you walk out to the car when you have company, and you stand out there. Uh, right now in my yard, you want to get in the car pretty quick and uh, just beat cheeks out of there because the mosquitoes are very, very friendly here. They're just the friendliest bunch. But I, I have not heard that, Karen. Well, it's just me, I guess. But I know when we were in Hawaii, one of the nice parts was that even in a tropical rainforest, there weren't that many mosquitoes. And, and when people found out we were from Minnesota, that even a few of them joked about how that was our the, the huge mosquitoes in Minnesota they didn't have there. And, and there were a few, but not nearly as many. And it surprised me, being that it was a tropical rainforest, but I guess it's just all about habitat and all that sorts of thing. I sat at the Farm and City Parade in beautiful New Richland over the weekend, and uh, I suppose they probably spray or something around there, but there were just no mosquitoes. I still think they should put the horses at the beginning of the parade, just make it more of a challenge for everybody to walk through that. But uh, instead, they always put the horses at the end, which just eliminates a lot of the fun. You know, speaking uh, each of... Each time I go to those parades, I'm amazed at those little kids that will get up so close to the tires. They just scare me half to death to get a Tootsie Roll. And, well, do you know that at the uh, North Mankato Fun Days Parade this past Saturday... The, there was so much candy being being uh, thrown out there that at one point my eight year old, the people would come to offer him candy. He said, "No, I'm good. I'm good. Enough. Enough. No more." And and I thought, my goodness, for a kid to turn down candy, and and it got to the point where kids were just leaving it in the middle of the road because they they just frankly had too much. So I think there should be maybe this limit on candy or something at parades because you know even even kids are recognizing that enough is enough. And that's about the only place you see Tootsie Rolls. Yeah, true. Parades. You do. They just uh, they make good throwing, um, sort of uh, weapons like almost. If you don't like a kid there, you can ding him pretty good with one probably when you're <laughs> going by. But it was it was a very nice parade, and it was the same day as North Mankato had theirs. It was a very nice parade there too, but no horses in the parade at all, which really shocked me because there have always been horses. And so the next thing I knew, I looked up and there was a street sweeper, and I said, "Wait, the parade can't be done. There's no horses." And what did the street sweepers have to sweep up? I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, we we had horses. So we, we had horses, a lot of fire trucks, none with a Confederate flag on them. And uh, we had, uh, oh, you know, a lot of big tractors and that sort of thing because we're out in the sticks here. So it's uh, in a band, marching band. So it, it was a lot of fun. I always, the other morning I got up, I, one of those days where you just couldn't it wasn't one of those where you couldn't sleep, but you couldn't sleep as long as you would have wanted to. So I got up, I went outside, and I looked at the nighttime sky, and it was just the best ceiling ever. And at first light, 
chicory bloomed on tall stems on the roadside, and it's a common blue wildflower of summer. It thrives in uninviting places like graveled roadsides, and the color attracts like the sight of a bluebird. And there's two legends are associated with uh, chicory. Uh, one was there was once a beautiful maiden who refused the advances of the sun. And, you, you know, you just don't tick off the sun. Uh, the sun in retaliation turned her into a flower, forcing her to stare at him all day long until she faded under his power. And chicory, uh, t even to this day, opens its flowers early in the morning, stares at the sun, and then often closes them by midday. The other legend tells of a young woman who loved a sailor who'd left her for the sea, and she waited patiently for, her, for his return. Each day she'd go down to the docks and just stand there all day long waiting for him to come back. And knowing that her lover had drowned, the gods took pity on her and turned her into a plant wearing sailor blue blossoms. And this gave the plant the nickname Blue Sailors. Hmm. Uh, Thomas Jefferson had chicory sent to him from Italy and recommended the plant as livestock fodder. And uh, a lot of you have probably heard of chicory. It's been used as a substitute for coffee, probably most famously during the Civil War. As I was watching all this, a red-tailed hawk perched uneasily on a utility wire running above the chicory, and the, the raptor was a mugwump. And it's, a lot of you probably heard that. Its mug was on one side of the wire and its wump on the other. But uh, I just thank chicory for that beauty and look for it early in the morning because if you look in the afternoon, it's going to be gone. Uh, Karen, thank you so much for the postcard. I was on the road when it arrived and got home, and uh, it was very nice of you. Yeah, those beautiful uh, Hawaii state birds on the front, the big goose. Uh, the nini. Uh, I think they call it the nini, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But is it another, it's uh, kind of like a Canada goose, except they've adapted its its feet so the webs are shorter so they can rock across all those sharp lava rocks that you find everywhere there? Yeah, it's a, a separate species, but it certainly is a goose. So, and they're really pretty, and it's it's a kind of a unique state bird. I say seven states have a cardinal, and I think six have a metal arc. So it's kind of nice when, like us here with the loon, we have something a little bit different than than everybody else. But I appreciate that, and uh, we were talking off the air that you slept in a, like a treehouse, and boy, it's been some years since I've slept in the treehouse. I can't. It was, it was really a long time ago. So. Well, this was a and pretty you, fancy. You said you sent some. I was going to say it was a pretty. A <laughs> we can't hear each other. For for folks who wonder why we talk <laughs> over each other, it's because there's a delay in the in the line, and so sometimes it's frustrating because I know people say, "Why do you talk over Al?" And then I say, "Well, because Al doesn't take a breath, so I can talk." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's been my problem all my life. It's so. okay, Al. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, Gail said you sent something about a St. Peter vet clinic helping a kestrel, too. And a kestrel is one of my favorite birds. I grew up with a kestrel. I think they're our most beautiful of uh, raptors that we have here, but they're so tiny in this 55 to 75 mile an hour world. We see them on utility wires, and they're just a little uh, gray or brown bird when we go by, but uh, they're so lovely. So that's awfully nice. Uh, the veterinarians there to, to help a little Castro. 
Chad Hines in Mankato said on July 8th, I decided to look for a black-bellied whistling ducks. Apparently, they've been seen out of range in a number of places like Iowa. And while poking around the county a bit, I was also hoping to finally get some good pictures of a trumpeter swan family at Perch Lake, but they were not visible when I was there. I ended up with 70 species by the end of the day. Waterfowl were particularly scarce. I did not even find a blue-winged teal, and I saw about a dozen ducks total included hooded merganser with young in two places. Swallows were heavy at Maple River WMA with well over a hundred. Barn bank and tree swallows feeding young and many dust bathing are just sitting on the road there. Dick thistles were found at Mapleton Sewage Pond and a couple of other places but were not as common as past years. Sparrows were highlighted by swamp, savanna, and lark sparrows and I managed to find all the summer wrens, house, sedge, and marsh. While there were some flooded fields, there were no southbound shorebirds yet. Uh, I'd add a little bit to something Chad said here. Um, yesterday, my wife and I stopped at uh, a lady's house who lives right in uh, right in the middle of Wasika, and she has a number of purple martin houses. Uh, they're a little boys away from water there, and she just has all kinds of purple martins. But one of the purple martins, a young one, was hit by a car going by, and all the other purple martins would fly down and kind of hover over the dead one. So it was a it was kind of, well, it wasn't kind of, it was really sad to see that. Lost one of their young ones. But uh, it's, I know a lot of folks say, well, there's no point putting up Purple Martins houses. Uh, we have friends who live right in the middle of Hayward, some that live right in the middle of Clark's Grove that also have them. So sometimes it takes a while. Uh, Janice Morheim of Manchester said, uh, Hi, Al, I have this white bird that comes to my feeder often. Do you know what it could be? Last year I had two of them. They seem to be with the purple finches most of the time. Sorry, this is the best picture I could get. Wondering, going to say albino. Thanks, see you at the fair. Well, I look forward to seeing you at the fair, Janice. Um, I couldn't tell if it was an albino. It was a house finch that I could tell, but I couldn't really see if it had red eyes, Janice. And if it's a true albino, it would have the red eyes. Otherwise, it's something that uh, a lot of people call partial albino or leukistic. So a beautiful bird, no matter what it is. Uh, Bobby Forster said, Al, you are my best last resort. I'm often the last resort, so I kind of appreciate that. Uh, To solve a mystery singer in the night, we live on an acreage in the suburbs of Hollandale, and there's a prairie pothole pond surrounded on three sides by heavy brush, soft maples, and elderberries. Perfect collector for ducks and birds for most of the summer. We have heard a bird that makes it sound like someone pounding on a metal fence post. Can't find him to identify. The last couple nights we have heard something calling with a two-note call repeatedly for 10 to 15 minutes. Call is loud and clear, and we heard it every couple of hours. Seems to be coming from the pond. Also heard what I think was a screech owl winnowing. Any thoughts on the night singer in Minnesota? Thanks for your usual good advice. It's a a Wilson snipe, Bobby, and they're probably the one that are... uh, is also doing the winning when they're flying up in the air. So uh, some of the old books might have a different name for it, but it's Wilson Snipe. If you just look up Snipe, and it's uh, they actually hunt them. So when they talk about going snipe hunting as a joke, 
they it's not a joke. They actually do hunt snipe, but that'd be what is making your sounds. Uh, Peter Matson of Austin said on July 9th, two upland sandpipers north of Leroy, Michael Etkin on July 10th spotted an adult common moorhen with four chicks in tow in the boat access at Nicolet Bay Unit of Swan Lake. That's, uh, what would it be, two miles west of Nicolet, probably about in there. Uh, Randy Fredrickson. Randy's been a, a, a friend of mine for a long time. Randy is from Wilmer, but I thought what the email he sent me here was pretty neat. He said, while putting down some granular fertilizer the other day using a four-wheeler, barn swallows spun around me, snatching up winged insects dislodged from their solitude. As you have no doubt encountered, the swallows are opportunistic around machinery that stirs up bugs and often fly toward you before they swirl back around for another loop. So I didn't think much about the swallow flying directly towards me until it landed on the middle of the handlebars. The little guy or gal was having a hard time hanging on to the metal bar, so I slowly moved my open hand towards it, at which time it obligingly hopped upon my index finger. The bird looked like it had just fledged and I suspect was tired and needed some place to land out in the middle of the field and I was the tallest thing around. We were best friends for about 25 seconds, but a unique and memorable encounter. Uh, Judy Tweeton of Heartland said she's seen some young chickadees. Uh, yeah, the chickadees, you know, they they lay eggs from mid-April to early July. So uh, most of them, it seems, in my yard are real early when they do it. They will just have one brood a year. Uh, they'll have from 1 to 13 eggs, so they have a large clutch size. And then it's 12 to 13 days to incubate and 12 to 16 days for uh, nestling. So... Uh, you know, they have 24 to 29 days invested in those little guys. So, uh, Could I chase, I don't know, I don't see a name on this, but I said, could I chase skunks from a rock pile with mothballs? Well, you know, maybe <laughs> if you run out there and you know, throw it at them. That's a good that one. I was work. just picturing these people with these mothballs chasing this skunk. Yeah, I'm sure you could chase them away, but I don't know that just leaving the mothballs sitting around is going to help much. Well, and you're a mom, so you have kids, you know, you don't want mothballs around. No, and your pets, I don't think it's a good thing either, yeah. No, and you know, you can go to places and they'll try to sell you predator urine. They say coyote or fox urine is supposed to get rid of skunks. It doesn't work. If you smelled like a skunk, how would urine bother you? I don't think it would. And uh, we've talked about this often, but the, the ultrasonic sound emitters they are don't so work. claiming to discourage animals. And every university that studies them says they're worthless. And there's various sprays. Castor oil-based is real popular. And, uh, you know, they're ineffective. I think some of them are getting closer to closer to maybe finding something that works there. But so far, it's, they're they're ineffective. Well, I and understand I that a lot of times, a lot of the things will work for a very short period, but then the the predator, the the animal, will get used to the smell or get used to knowing that it's not going to bother them, and then they just come back. So, really, the only really good way is a fence, and even then, with a double fence, I found that rabbits can somehow figure out how to get through it. So, you know, a part of it is just learning to live harmoniously. Hey, boy, that's um, you've summed up the whole thing there. That's. Uh, 
sometimes we have to pick our battles. My dad always told me when I was a kid I'd get mad about things, you know. That he said you got to pick your battles. You can't fight everything, you know, and it's it's hard to to accept that sometime. But I have talked with so many people. I I sit at a lot of fairs and people come in and tell me stories. I love stories and I've talked to so many people I've used mothballs or ammonia soaked rags in attempts to make skunks leave from oh well, particularly under decks and things <laughs> or under buildings. And they all declared their endeavors to be complete failures. And uh, so we alluded to mothballs can be harmful to humans and pets and just shouldn't be used if there's kids around at all because uh, they're insecticides. Uh, they, they have chemicals that are flammable and toxic. They're unstable. They can vaporize. And you should never use them in a, like an airtight space such as a sealed bag. They've been uh, associated with adverse health effects in humans. And just look at the label on mothball packaging. It lists the intended uses and the precautions clearly. And as Karen said, a fence, uh, live trapping skunks uh, certainly works, uh, but it's just it's hard to get rid of them. Uh, Don Zwak of Wasika asked if young bald eagles return to their nests once they leave them. Well, yeah, they do, Don. After fledging, uh, eaglets will return to the nest uh, still to be fed by parents sometimes, and they'll come in there just to roost and just to loaf. Uh, eagles, raptors spend a lot of time just loafing, and they will do that. But their association with the nest and their natal territory lessens as they learn how to hunt on their own. And this transition to independence varies in length. So after they come off the nest, it might be a couple weeks to several months before they finally say, you know, I'm on my own here. Sayonara. Uh, Jim Loggison of Elmdale asked how many young red-tailed hawks have. Uh, this beautiful raptor, they'll have from one to five eggs, build this big stick nest. It can be as big as six and a half feet high and three feet across. Incubation period, oh, wow, well, 28, 35 days, I think, right in there. And then probably another 42 to 46 days in the nestling. How many deer per square mile in Minnesota. Boy, I had to go to all Too kinds many. of DNR stuff. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I know there's a lot. And I was amazed at the numbers, if these are correct. It's that deer populations vary according to habitat and management. Well, we all knew that. Density levels range from a high of 25 to 30 per square mile in the extreme southeast to 3 to 5 in the far west. In central and north-central Minnesota, the numbers hover at 20 to 25 per square mile, where a lot of people go deer hunting. Uh, Ward Johnson, uh, he's from Minneapolis. He's with Save Our Monarchs Foundation, wrote, uh, Al, I thought your readers might wish to know that SaveOurMonarchs.org offers free milkweed seeds. They are needed by all monarch caterpillars for their survival and make a beautiful wildflower garden and require no maintenance. Save Our Monarchs provides over 100,000 milkweed seed packets per month to all those who request them. Send your request for seeds while well, you go to SaveOurMonarchs.org. Uh, there's a thing there that uh, you can get them. Uh, it's a place where you can sign up, or you can send them uh, the 
self-addressed stamped envelope, and they will get those out. To Say, you. Al, you oh. mentioned monarchs. I've seen a few monarch caterpillars, and I've seen some monarchs. Also coming out, and John from New Ulm reported this too, are the cicadas. Have you heard them lately? I've heard a few just starting up. Yeah, I heard the first one maybe a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. And the place I was at, I just heard one was there, but I've heard a few since then. Uh, not a whole lot yet, but I'm certainly he- hearing them. So thanks, John. Uh, Fishing for Eagles is at the National Eagle Center. It's on Thursdays from 10 a.m. to 4. And I know you're saying, what's Fishing for Eagles? What is that all about? Well, you can go out and fish and by the right by the Eagle Center there. They give you everything. Uh, they give you fishing rods and reels, life jackets, bait, and a dock on the Mississippi River. And staff and volunteers will help kids identify the fish. And the kids can donate their catch to feed the bald eagle ambassador. So it's for children under age 15. And residents of Minnesota do not need a license. Uh, for anybody else, they need a legal fishing license. But again, children under 15 and residents of Minnesota did not. So it's a cool thing, and that's over in Wabasha, and they do uh, so many good things over there. I have these two neighbors, uh, two wonderful, I have a lot of wonderful neighbors. Hardly any of them have moved now for a while because of me, and I just think they're really nice. But I have these two wonderful neighbors, both named Bruce, who live across the road from each other. And whenever I pass their driveways, thoughts occur to me. And the thought that occurred to me the other day is, uh, and this comes into play this time of year, when a man hears, bring a dish to pass, He thinks potato chips. Ladies, I'm sorry to let you know that, but that's what we think. If you tell us to bring a dish to pass, it's going to be potato chips. Uh, If anybody would like to join me on a natural history boat tour of Elberly Lake on on July 19th. We're also doing one on August 30th. They're at 1.30. It's called the Pelican Breeze. And if you'd like to book a seat on that, it's 373-2316. 373-2316. The last question I had from somebody, are all caterpillars plant eaters? No, uh, they aren't. You would think they'd all eat plants, but there's a harvester butterfly. Uh, The female lays her eggs in the colonies of woody aphids, scale insects, or tree hoppers because the butterfly caterpillars are carnivorous on these insects. Yeah, that's pretty cool, I think, that you just got this little caterpillar and, uh, man, just eats up all these things. And the last thing I have, Karen, is I was working down in Ames, Iowa. I saw a car in Ames, Iowa that was nearly covered with bumper stickers. And that's why I don't have a bumper sticker on my car. Apparently, once you start putting on bumper stickers, you don't know where or when to stop. And I saw a minivan in Ames that had stick figure decals of a family unit on its back window. And there was a decal of the mother, two kids, a dog, and a cat. And it was evident that the representation of the father had been scraped off, leaving a ghostly image. And I'm sure there was a story there. But as I drove on a busy highway where the goal of each car was to pass the car ahead, it seemed as if fast-moving drivers were anxious to be on the bleeding edge of travel. And it's difficult not to succumb to peer pressure and to be pulled into that silly and speedy competition. And I was about to join that ridiculous race when I saw a hearse. 
It was driving the minimum speed. There was no need to hurry. There was literally no time to lose. And the sprint of life was over for someone. And I think most drivers slowed their pace. I know I did. So, folks, travel at a gentle pace today. And we need all of you. We don't need anybody having any accidents. And I know this time of year we're all in, well, well, all times of the year we're always in a hurry to get somewhere. And a lot of times it's we're in a hurry to get somewhere we don't even want to be. So please be careful. Man, Karen, it's always so nice uh, to spend time in your company. And thanks so much for that wonderful postcard. It's always great to be thought of. And I love postcards. I just think they're some of the coolest things. And you know the uh, stamp for a postcard now is $0.34, cents, which I didn't realize because now you use forever stamps. So I had to ask when I went to the post office to buy those stamps. And I said, well, how much does it cost to send a postcard nowadays? Because, you know, it keeps going up. And $0.34 cents now. So just FYI, if you were wondering what that forever stamp was nowadays, that's what, what it happens to be. One more I quick send, question. Uh, oh, go ahead. Sure. I wanted to ask you uh, if there's any county fairs you're going to be attending in the near future because they are coming up. Yeah, I'll be at the Wasika County Fair. Uh, today's Tuesday. I'm going to be there on Thursday. Good to know. I'll be at Tri- Freeborn County Fair every single day. I'll be at the Martin County Fair, and I'll be at the Steele County Fair. I'm probably missing one or two. Well, I'll be at the Nicollet County Fair. The boys are showing a couple calves and a cat and a bunch of other things. So that's coming up in the, I think, first week of August. So that's what I've I'm... never been to the Nicollet County Fair. One of these years I'll have to make my way over there. It's, so. it's a nice little fa- uh, fair in St. Peter. So someday, Al, you'll have to come. It'll be really odd without any uh, fowl this year, without any chickens, yes. ducks, or geese. It would be sad. I, I always wander through there and say, I used to have a chicken just like that <laughs> to some poor guy just trying to walk through there with his candy yeah. cone. and just <laughs> Wanting to basically get past you as quickly as can, they can probably. <laughs> That's right. But I, I send a postcard every day to somebody. You do? One postcard. Are you serious? Yep. So, so you know yeah. about the rise in uh, postage costs. There. Yep. Okay. I send it to uh, maybe somebody at a hotel that was really nice to me. I'll send a, a postcard to the manager and just say, Bob was so kind there, does a great job. He should have your job or something, you know. I mean, so do you use the free postcards that the hotel sometimes provide, or do you actually go buy <laughs> some someplace? Oh, sure. Man, I'm a frugal guy. <laughs> if I can get a free postcard, I snatch it up. And Tim... Uh, Tim Scott gave me a whole stack of postcards, so I'm set for a little while. That was awfully nice of him. So. All right. Well, I very think I sent him a postcard <laughs> thanking him for, for the postcard. Very good. Yeah. Thanks, Al. It was great chatting with you. We will be back again next Thanks, Tuesday. Karen. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Have a grand day. Okay, bye. Bye-bye.